Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. It's been a super busy week here at Device Talks. Lots going on. A few things I want to clear with you or share with you uh, before we get into this week's podcast. Uh, number one, this week's podcast. It's uh, one of our shorter ones we've had as of late, but uh, we will be sending out our first episode of the Striker Talks podcast early next week. So uh, if you're subscribed to the Device Talks weekly podcast channel, you will get Striker Talks sent directly to you. And it's a great interview I did with Spencer Stiles, the group president of orthopedics at Striker. So uh, if you're not subscribed to this channel, please do so. And uh, you'll be able to uh, listen to that as soon as it comes out. You can also find Striker Talks on devicetalks.com and it'll be up on Striker's website as well. So uh, excited to get that out to you. So if you add both podcast episodes up together, you're getting your hour plus. Uh, we're just going to give it to you in smaller, more palatable bites. So this is probably the equivalent of a, a three to four mile run as opposed to, uh, well, maybe half a marathon for some of you, uh, some of you faster folks. So uh, that's item number one. Now, item number two, uh, the Device Talks Boston Conference. So our agenda is uh, probably 75% done. We're getting it up on the website, devicetalks.com. So feel free to check that out. We're still adding speakers. Uh, I'm still adding a few more panels, but uh, you'll get a sense of what we're working on there. If you have an interest in being part of it as uh, a sponsor or as a speaker, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, or you can uh, email me. Uh, my email address is tsalemi, T-S-A-L-E-M-I, at wtwhmedia.com. Like I said, the speaker roster is pretty full. So more if you're interested in, in being part of the program, you can check out the uh, agenda online. You can reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with the right folks. You can also take part or, or uh, register for a webinar that, we, uh, that we're putting together. It's a short little presentation by me about the, uh, about the program. And I'll include a link to that in our show notes. So uh, it's free. Uh, it'll take 10 minutes, but it kind of give you an overview of what we're working on. So if you're interested in, again, in being a sponsor of Device Talks Boston and our other Device Talks events, uh, I'd love to explain uh, what we're doing. I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's really different. And I think it'll be really valuable for, for folks. Number three, I think one of the more valuable parts of Device Talks Boston is our partnership with MedTech Innovator. Of course, we had Paul Grand on the uh, podcast a few weeks ago. He uh, it issued a deadline that he had for uh, for companies that wanted to present to another part of his program. But Paul will be running a, an entire track at uh, Device Talks Boston, our innovation and investment track. And he's going to have more than two dozen, uh, probably close to three dozen, privately held medtech startups uh, presenting their stories. And these will be later stage companies, mid to late stage companies. Uh, Paul's looking for companies that have raised a Series B or Series C. They are uh, eligible to apply. So if you've raised at least a Series B, you're eligible to apply to present at Device Talks Boston. Companies will get to present twice at the meeting. First, they'll get to present to the uh, group at large, all the attendees of Device Talks Boston. And secondly, they will get to present directly with MedTech Innovators corporate partners who will be on site. So uh, there'll be representatives from companies like J&J, Edwards Life Sciences, Olympus, Dexcom, WL Gore, Nipro, and many more, as well as some investors as well. So this is an extraordinary opportunity for mid to late stage companies. And uh, if you want to uh, be part of that, if you want to present 
you need to submit your application. You need to go to medtechinnovator.org and you need to apply before March 31st. We're going to have Paul on the program again next week to talk about this a bit more. But uh, again, I'm really excited to be working with Paul and MedTech Innovator on this program. Uh, this is the first Device Talks, Device Talks meeting that I've had the chance of organizing. And when I first uh, first started doing this, I reached out to Paul immediately because I just wanted to bring uh, MedTech Innovator's energy and enthusiasm and uh, just expertise to, uh, to any meeting that I did. So Paul was going to work with me at our meeting in Minnesota in 2020. That obviously didn't happen. So I'm super excited to have him, even more excited to have him in my uh, hometown, Device Talks Boston. So uh, once again, if you are uh, leading a privately held company that's raised at least the Series B and you want to present at Device Talks Boston, go to medtechinnovator.org to apply to present. All right. Well, I know that is a lot. So uh, number one, remember, look for Striker Talks next week. We'll get that out to you early next week. Subscribe to uh, this podcast channel if you haven't already, and you'll see Striker Talks. Number two, uh, the agenda is up on the Device Talks Boston website. You can get that at devicetalks.com. And if you're interested in being part of that program and you want a chance to meet all of these great medtech innovator companies and their partners, uh, check out the webinar. I'll put the link to uh, register on the show notes and it's free and it's 10 minutes and uh, it's just a quick overview. And if you have any follow-up questions, feel free to reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn or social media or uh, however you can reach me. Finally, uh, again, MedTech Innovator will be a huge part of Device Talks Boston. And if you want to uh, present to uh, our attendees, and we're going to we'll be in the hundreds, we're hoping for over 500. And uh, our, our meeting is co-located with our uh, Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum and our massive Robotics Expo. It's going to be a great day, great two days at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Uh, you can go to devicetalks.com to register for that. But you can go to medtechinnovator.org to apply to present at Device Talks Boston. All right. That's a lot of stuff for you to know, but I'm glad you know it. And now let's get this podcast going. All right. You ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Doing well, Tom. Doing well. No complaints. Uh, I, I toned down my how are you, sir, a bit because we're obviously dealing with a lot of strife in the world. And uh, we're yes. going to talk talk about that today. We have uh, senior editor Danielle Kirsch in the booth. Danielle, hello. Hi, Tom and Chris. Uh, glad to be back. Great to have you back. And you wrote have uh, Danielle back. Yeah, yeah. You, you wrote a great piece uh, about uh, sort of what yeah. medtechs are, how they're responding to the Ukraine. And uh, we'll explore that a bit further. But just in reading that, just kind of struck me how, I don't know, maybe I'm just more attuned to it than I used to be. But the, the corporations seem to be responding a lot more actively to significant events like this than they once did. And I don't know if it's post-George Floyd where they... The killing of George Floyd, where they decided to sort of mm-hmm. go beyond their "we make money" charter and try to be part members of the world, but uh, yeah. 
What do you folks think? It's actually, it's, it's, it's a big movement. Like you said, it, it kind of happened after George Floyd. It's kind of what I've been learning. It's just, um, there's a lot more pressure on corporations to have some sort of comment on uh, public events because uh, the CEOs and corporations tend to be trusted more than uh, sometimes the mainstream media and politicians. So um, I think corporations are really just feeling the brunt of this new this new movement of accountability. Absolutely, it's interesting because uh, you know it, it seemed like the common wisdom of the past was that you know businesses you know weren't you know should avoid you know making political stands because you were going to you know turn off a certain section of your customer you know base you know it's you know it kind of i mean like here where i live in progressive st louis park you know barbers probably shouldn't have fox news on you know like yeah. you know like but um but but yeah i've kind of noticed um there's just there's just so many um tough things going on in the in the world right now it just I guess maybe it just would be, it just seems really tone deaf for a company not to um, acknowledge what's going on and, and recognize that they, um, they actually have, you know, some responsibility uh, beyond their, uh, their profits. Absolutely. And it's, it'll be interesting to see sort of what the long-term impacts are. I mean, we saw after the January 6th uh, travesty that uh, a lot of companies withdrew funding for certain candidates who, uh, who were not as critical of that uh, insurrection as they, they should have been. And but some of them have quietly started some giving them quietly them started giving. again. Yep, yep. So it's one thing to issue a press release. It's another thing to actually change your behavior. So uh, clearly, I think the war in the Ukraine is something I hope all of us can agree is is a horrible thing that, that, that needs to be stopped. But uh, it's great to see med tech companies stand up and, and say something. And we'll explore who that is in, in a little bit. You know, and I know, um, you know, I'd also add that, I mean, yeah, we're, we're doing a med tech podcast here, so we're not going to sit around talking about foreign affairs, you know, for, but I, I would say that, you know, this, um, the, this tragedy that we're, we're seeing over in Ukraine, at least, you know, it, you, I, it, I don't know if heartening is the best word, but I mean, it, at least, it, it, you know, like seeing what we have to lose. I mean, it, it, you definitely are seeing like a, a unity. Gosh, I, I think we're seeing a unity and, you know, the country and our, you know, and, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the freedom, you know, the world of, you know, free countries that, you know, we haven't seen since, um, I mean, I, I don't know, since after 9-11, I mean, it feel, I mean, it definitely feels like there's a certain, you know, feeling of more of like unity around, you know, kind of the shared things, you know, we were supposed to stand for and that, uh, that, that, that's heartening. I hope so. I hope, uh, I hope it sticks. And, uh, again, to your Me point, too. we don't want to go too far down this path, but as someone who, uh, I'm 52, I grew up in the seventies and the eighties as I was a child in the seventies and the eighties. It was a formative time in my life. And it's a time when we all just assumed we would be in a nuclear war someday. And that, uh, yeah. that, that went I, away. Old enough, I remember that. I, yeah. I remember. And this, uh, streams seems strangely familiar to me. Like, you know, just sort of this, mm. like this uncertainty, like, Oh, this could, get bad real quick feels uh tragically familiar so yeah, uh let's uh let's hope it goes away again because I, I certainly preferred not living under that yeah i like the music of the 80s i don't want to go back to the world <laughs> politics of the 1980s <laughs> that's my that's my workout jam chris newmarker <laughs> nothing like 80s music to get your, your heart pumping but uh are, are you like running to phil collins 
<laughs> no, I don't. I don't really skip the Susu Studio. No, you know, my yeah. my my, uh, my iFit uh, rower has its own little mix, so uh, it, uh, it 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 hits all the buttons for me. So, but uh, before we uh, begin in the new markets, newsmakers, Danielle, uh, I understand uh, uh, you have uh, partake in the uh, partaken in the new Theranos series on Hulu. Mm-hmm. The the dropout on Hulu. The dropout, off, yes. Yeah, yes, it's based yeah. off of the ABC podcast. I, they've released the first three episodes so far, and they, I would say, um, Amanda Seyfried, I think is her name. Um, mm-hmm. She yeah. she does a really good job at portraying the just awe that Elizabeth Holmes had for microfluidics. Like it it seems very on par with with what everyone was saying about how she was really passionate about what she what she believed in and then just the way she like pitches everything and they also um i don't know if i should spoil it but <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm actually a little uh, yeah don't spoil it too much because people listening might not might want to watch it i'm a little yeah. theron i'm a little theranos overdose or overdose and theranos i'm not sure if i'm gonna watch it or not yeah me same here i'm kind of so far it sound it like it seems pretty accurate from what we know so um there's some uh points about her voice being made and um, just some major characters that we know about from the from the trial that are included just in the beginning and I, I was just like recalling I think like Kate McKinnon was originally supposed to do that role I mean that I mean what, what do you really yeah yeah I think <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting wow. she's fantastic but yeah. I don't see her yeah. as Theranos not much of a like a film critic but I, I I think Amanda is doing just a really good job at just portraying her because I know Amanda from a different movie from when I was growing up, Mean Girls. And- oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. I was trying to place her. There she is. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yes, but she's it's she's doing a really good job, I would say. And uh, the series is, is good so far. I wonder if the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle, is that still going? She was going to do like a... A movie, movie, right? Oh, I did hear that. Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. listened to it. Is that much. still going? I don't know. That, that I thought that was good casting as well. So, all right. Well, yeah. uh, the dropout is out there. So, and, and and we should say that Danielle, you are a certified Theranos head, right? You've read the book. <laughs> you've listened to the podcast. You follow the all trial. The <laughs> all the podcasts. So, uh, if you say that they're doing a good job of of, of uh, being somewhat authentic, then uh, I'll take your your word for it. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, the dropouts out there. Danielle gives it uh, not of, out of uh, four stars. Danielle, how many stars so far? Uh, I give it three and, a half. three and a half. That's a good rank. All right. All right. Well, make sure you watch that on Hulu, folks. Chris Newmarker, you're you're you've got a four star Newmarker's newsmakers for us, the right? Newmarker's newsmakers. I, I right. think four, five, even stars. You know, number five on the list is Ukraine, and uh, you know, da- uh, story that Danielle. Uh, ran out on uh, on Wednesday night about uh, well, Danielle, tell us about the story. What, what's going on with Ukraine? Well, the Wo- World Health Organization said that it was sending more than 36 metric tons of medical supplies uh, to Ukraine, and uh, there was a few medtech companies that also announced contributions that they were making. Henry Henry Sheen, Siemens, Conformis, Roche, Medicom, and Philips also announced. So they've all announced so far that they were going to either have some sort of employee contribution fund where they match donations or they were sending money or supplies to Ukraine or the surrounding areas to just support, just support the humanitarian efforts. 
Yeah, I, I especially with struck Siemens was like one million euros. Mm-hmm. I also saw conformers went a bit further and was saying they were cutting um, business ties in Russia. And I, and I thought initially that they were uh, mostly or all European companies, but there actually is a mix of, of Europe and the U.S. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if some of our larger U.S. companies step up and uh, make statements and, and take action. And I imagine, Danielle, you'll be following these uh, stories and announcements and statements as, the, as they come out. I will. I'm monitoring all the feeds, waiting, waiting to see what anyone else has to say. All right. Well, keep a, folks can keep an eye on uh, massdevice.com for, uh, for updates there. And uh, Chris, what is uh, what is number four in the new markets newsmakers? Oh, you know, number four on the list is uh, how uh, you know Siemens Health and Ears uh, Varia and they're face- facing some scrutiny in uh, Massachusetts over the environmental cleanup at a at a former site of theirs in uh, in Beverly. And this is really something that we just picked up really quickly from uh, the Salem News. The uh, Salem News has been reporting the the heck out of this. Um, you know, it's. Actually, good good example of uh, of you know intrepid local journalism. They've been you know really looking at you know what was going on with this cleanup, and you know eventually like the uh, the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection has you know ruled that uh, the the cleanup operation is not working. They're saying it's you know violating state regulations, and so they're going to have to you know they're going to vary and telling me to design a new new plan you know with a deadline of, uh, of two years to get a solution here because um, you know we uh, want to make sure that we don't have uh, environmental contamination in our communities but I mean I, I guess it's just a sign that you know med tech like many other industries I mean we get you know some old old manufacturing sites that you know can become you know really problematic yeah this has been an ongoing issue for for a long time according to the article it's not an issue I was aware of but uh, Salem is not too far from my house it's about 30 miles south of where I live now actually 20 20 miles. And uh, the Salem News was a sister paper of my newspaper when I worked in newspapers. We used to play tackle nice. football against each other, the editorial stabs. Did you win usually? Uh, Newburyport always won. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone from the Salem papers listening, they might they might want to rebut. But we we played with honor and courage. So just don't answer your phone if you're getting a call from Salem. <laughs> Let us uh, move on to uh, number three on the Newmarkers Newsmakers. All right. Well, you know, the uh, the next one we got on the Newsmarkers Newsmakers is uh, HeartFlow is uh, announcing a, a new COO. They're uh, promoting a John Farquhar, who they brought in as their COO in August uh, 2021. And uh, Farquhar is a former uh, Medtronic executive. We've just been seeing a lot of these, uh, you know, as, as Medtronic restructures, we've just been seeing a lot of uh, Medtronic executives going out and doing doing new things. And so now we've got, uh, got a Medtronic uh, veteran uh, leading uh, HeartFlow, um, which interestingly enough, well, just to let people know if they don't know about the company, they've got this, uh, you know, non-invasive, uh, you know, analysis. He's uses AI to create a, a 3D heart model uh, to help, you know, diagnose uh, cardiac problems. But uh, they uh, they were going to do a $2.4 billion back and they, you know, called that off uh, last month, you know, because they were just saying that market conditions were unfavorable and now their uh now their uh co-founder and you know dr john stevens is, is, is you know stepping down he'll serve on the board he'll be the vice chair but they're promoting farquhar to be their uh, their ceo speaking of spac attacks spac attack we got butterfly network which was one of the early ones that we uh exactly covered these you know special acquisition corporation deals and uh they uh you know they released their uh, fourth quarter earnings and uh at least on the the day they came out you know the stock was uh was uh was down um you know on uh on news that uh you know they were you know saying that uh 
you know, they're, they're projecting that they're going to have, you know, of course they're, they're a young company, you know, young companies, you know, tend to, tend to, you know, report losses, you know, as they grow, but they, they were saying, you know, projecting losses in the range between 225 to $245 million uh, this, uh, this, New, during this new fiscal year so uh you know the, the markets uh, uh that's my best guess for why the markets weren't ex- exactly excited about uh, this even as they beat even as butterfly network beat fourth quarter expectations on their report but you know i mean we'll just see how how this goes i mean they've got this uh handheld ultrasound you know technology that seems like it could could make a difference but uh you know at the same time it's it's, it's going to be a really inter- interesting trend we've gotten all these you know young companies that went public through these special acquisition corporation deals and um like how's it going to work out how's it going to work out being a public company and you know and, and seeing how the markets uh, react to like uh you know all you know the ups and downs that you inevitably have when you're growing a company i did have my interview with doug Godshall, the CEO of Shockwave. We mentioned it last week uh, that Shockwave had uh, some really astounding uh, performances in revenue. And uh, he talked a bit about uh, why he likes leading a public company. So uh, we'll get that to you folks in a, in a future episode. But uh, investors can be fickle for sure. Yes. All right, Chris, finish it off. What's what's number one on the new markets newsmakers? Oh, and number one on the list, uh, we had uh, Zimvi, the uh, spinoff of uh, Zimmer Biomed's uh, uh, you know, spine and dental and dental businesses, uh, you know, went, uh, the, the deal was completed this week. The company started trading on, on the NASDAQ uh, March 1st, uh, trading under, uh, you know, ZIMV. And uh, I, I actually caught up with their uh, CEO, uh, Vafa Jamali, uh, just, just, you know, shortly after he rang in the NASDAQ, um, you know, and, and talked about what he's looking to do with uh, the company. And, uh, you know, versus, you know, spoiling this here, let's just, uh, let's just play the interview and find out what's going on with them. That's right. You, you're doing double duty, Chris. You're also uh, leading the interview. We'll have one interview this week. Uh, and uh, he was actually on the floor of NASDAQ, right? Or at least in the NASDAQ building, might not have been on the floor. Yeah, he, he was, uh, he, he was, he was ducking into a room. Like, you know, like he was, uh, <laughs> I saw, I saw, I saw fluorescent bulbs on the ceiling. He was grateful we weren't doing a video. <laughs> Hi, this is Chris Newmarker. I'm executive editor of Mass Device and uh, Medical Design and Outsourcing. It's uh, March 1st, 2022. And uh, the big news today is that Zimmer Biomet's dental and spine spinoff, ZimV, is uh, complete. And it's uh, trading today for the first time on the NASDAQ. And joining me uh, today is Vafa Jamali, the CEO of this new company. Uh, Vafa, welcome to Mass Device and Device Talks. Thanks a lot, Chris. Great to be here on this uh, great day for us. Yeah, it's, you know, you, uh, you rang in the bell on the NASDAQ, right? That's right. We rang it uh, about an hour ago. It was terrific. <laughs> Like just looking at your history, this is your first time being a CEO of a new publicly traded company. I mean, what does that feel like to be, you know, in charge of something like this for the first time? It feels great. I mean, it's it's sort of what you prepare for as a career, and you've got to do experiences. And a lot of these experiences that I've done within large companies have been lateral moves that taught me things around, you know, new market entry, market development, globalization, and operations. You sort of tackle on these experiences so that when an opportunity like this, you're fortunate enough to get an opportunity like this, you're, you're prepared for it and you, you really embrace it with all of your passion and, and all of your heart. And so it, it just feels like, you know, a collection of experiences and, and, uh, and, and it, feels, it feels fantastic. I mean, it's one thing to run. I mean, you've run like you know, huge businesses inside companies, but it must be one thing to like run 
a huge business inside a company and to now be like, you know, the, the buck stops with you. You're the, you're the CEO. I mean, how exciting is that? It's really exciting. I mean, some people really, really run to uh, responsibility and the spotlight. And uh, this is really where, where that, that is most seen is that, you know, the responsibility is yours and the decision-making is yours. And, and uh, it's, it's very different than how it is inside of a large company where you have a lot of responsibility, but ultimately there's somebody uh, kind of watching over and making the last call in many cases. Yeah. I mean, you, you were at, you know, Covidian and then Medtronic for more than a decade. I saw that you worked a great deal uh, on gastrointestinal technologies. I mean, what drew you to leave that and, you know, take over the corner office at this new independent spine and dental company? What excited you about it? So like I said, it's a really a collection of experiences and what, what you learn from each one. And uh, the piece that's lost on possibly the last job is, is how small it was when I started and it really needed to, to grow. And how you grow globally, how you grow with technology, how you innovate, how do you act like a big player and when you're not really a big player? Those are all the lessons. And when I looked at you know, Zinvi, we had this great opportunity within Spine and Dental to really grow those markets and grow those businesses much, much more than they would if they were inside of a big company. And it's not about the big company not wanting to grow. It's just the big company has to have its own priorities. And, and they're often not the priorities of, of what eventually gets carved out. So I knew that this would be a great opportunity for us to, to pull value to drive value and to drive innovation inside these two businesses. And that what's really motivated me to come over. Tell me a little bit more about how, you know, splitting off from Zimmer Biomed is going to benefit Zimvi going forward. So when you look at uh, historically with, with carve-outs, you benefit in a great way from uh, talent. So a lot of talent will come and work for an independent company where they might not work for a division of a company that's not the focus of the company. And so I, I knew that going in. So I knew that, that we, we would be able to benefit from, from the talent that we would be able to pull over. And then secondarily, just the focus. I mean, we put so much energy on, on these two businesses that you know, you'll see us do better operationally. You'll see us be more focused on how we spend our money, how we really make our investments. And then where do we innovate? And those are all decisions that yeah. you have to make that will make a difference. Instead of having to run up the decisions to Indiana, where they're also making decisions about knees and hips, right. you're, you're more focused on these, you know, spine and dental technologies. I mean, your old employer, you know, Medtronic, I mean, they made a lot of waves in the spine space with their, you know, Maser robotic systems. I mean, how do you see Zimby, you know, competing, you know, with that? I mean, what, I mean, what can you do? I mean, you know, spine and back problems are so debilitating. I mean, how can you up the game and, you know, help out a lot more people here? So I think if you look at robotics in general and spine, I mean, ultimately, there will be a place where we benefit as patients and and surgeons, you know, having enabling technologies inside your business. And what it's going to do really is going to either improve workflow and improve outcomes. It has to do probably both. Currently, you know, our technologies haven't quite done that yet. So the areas where we deploy robots is typically in the core and complex areas where we aren't going to be that focused. We're going to be more focused on these areas that we think we can we can grow faster and grow more. And those aren't really necessarily driven by robotic technology. So I think that that we'll be able to find a way to innovate for now in these categories of, of basically in motion preservation, which is where we've really, really focused on. What I see there is, you know, there's a very crowded market of core and complex spine surgeries. So there's there's a lot of players there. And really, if you want to be successful with our size, you have to be different and you have to differentiate and maybe take the lanes that are less occupied. 
Wow. So, I mean, tell me a little bit more about those less occupied lanes. So it's like, you're, so you're saying like, we don't want to go in and the complex surgeries that that's a crowded space. So where are you really going to innovate and and help people out here? We have the benefit of having loyal customers that do use our core and complex technologies and, and they've used it for a long time and we'll continue to fill gaps there to make sure we please them. But then we found these two other lanes that we think are very, very good growth opportunities for us. One is uh, around cervical disc replacement, which is maybe a third of that market is, is, uh, is, is using cervical disc. And then two thirds is using fusion. We believe that you can really innovate there and you'll have much better outcomes for patients. We have you know, 10 year trial data that shows that we are statistically superior to fusion. So for the patient, it's better. We need to make sure the workflow works, the reimbursement works, all those pieces work. That's a really, really critical area. But we think we can grow that market versus, you know, fight for share in that market. Sounds like a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you see these people come on video and, you know, they're golfing not that far after they've had their procedure. So they've got full motion of their neck. Then the second area that I'm really, really excited about is pediatric scoliosis. And in that area, you know, this is a new market. We're really growing it and we're developing that market. And that market is is primarily the difference between when a parent notices that a child has a curve in their spine, they go to their doctor and most often the doctor is going to, if, if indicated for surgery, is going to fuse it. And fusion works quite effectively for straightening out the curve. But what it doesn't do is leave a lot of mobility. So the Tether, which is made by, by Zimvi, is an innovation that we've made here, really uses a tension cord, which is implanted, which allows the child, as the child grows, that tension straightens out the curve. So the child's left with less of a curve and mobility, which is really, really important. But that's, that's going to take some time to develop that market. We need to make sure that yeah. you know, everyone's trained to do it right. We do it on the right patients. We pick the right patients, the most suitable patients. And the outcomes ultimately are are very good. That's what we look to do there. But those are areas that are not occupied. Yeah. I mean, the pediatric space has really been neglected over the years. I mean, that's a theme I see again and again is there's just not enough devices for children. I mean, like, so, I mean, what makes you want to get in there and do that? Well, see, one of the, the decisions that typically we make is, is we look at the size of the market and the growth of the market, right? So the growth yeah. of the market would be good, but the size of the market would be small. In our case, being a specialist is really, really good. So in our case, we have the luxury yeah. of being able to pick where we go and where do we excel. Because in much of the crowded areas, you know, someone else is already there. So it doesn't really make sense for us to try to go there and compete where we could carve out a very, very nice market with evidence that shows our ability to be excellent in a particular area. And pediatric would be, would be one of those areas. Oh, we were just chatting before we started this interview about how we both have kids. And, you know, I, I feel fortunate my, you know, my kids don't have spine problems, but man, that just seems like a, a tough condition to have to work through with your, with your kids. So I, so like, it, it would be, it'd be great to see more innovation there. Absolutely. It is. You see the advocacy coming from parents and, you know, right now with social media being as strong as it is, we, we do really see a lot of educated parents coming and asking for procedures. So because of that, you have to make sure that, you know, you launch effectively, you have clinical proof, your, your surgeons are trained really well, and your outcomes ultimately improve the lives of those kids. Because if they don't, it'll also be widely known. So I think that's really important responsibility we have. But I do think that this advocacy from parents is a positive for us. Yeah, absolutely. I noticed you, you announced your board today. 
And one of the people on the uh, board is uh, Medtronic's chief medical officer. I mean, that's really impressive. I mean, how much does that suggest there might be opportunities for, should we read any, anything into that, that there might be opportunities for Zimvi and Medtronic to work together here? Or what can you tell me? No, I can tell you that, <laughs> that I have an enormous amount of respect for Dr. Kunst. And I've known him for a long time. And I, on the moment that he announced that he is, he was retiring, I called him and I asked He's him. He's retiring. He okay. Gotcha. And he said he would. So that's all you need to read into it. But, okay. but think about the intellectual horsepower that that gives us to really innovate in health and life sciences. And that's really what you should look into it. That's awesome. Okay. So, I mean, I've heard this is pretty normal in these types of spinoff transactions, but I saw that uh, Zimvi, you're starting out with about, you know, $561 million in debt. You know, how do you manage that and then implement, you know, the dreams and the goals that you have for this company at the same time? So net is a little bit less than that because we'll have some cash. So roughly, let's say it's around 500, right? Okay. And what, what we need to do is we need to bring that down over the next you know, 18, 24 months. So we would like to bring that down. We're at a leverage ratio that we think is manageable and, and our investors are okay with it. But it doesn't give us enough ammunition yet to sort of go out and make bigger decisions that we might want to take in terms of investments. So we have to be careful in the first year, manage properly, look for some of the short-term gains that we have and really be deliberate about how we spend every dollar. But uh, we're, we're comfortable with the level of debt that we have. Uh, Zimmer yeah. Bond has been really, really good with it. And I think we have a good plan to get out of that situation into a situation with more financial flexibility. You know, I've noticed like analysts saying that, you know, the, the goals that you have for the company, that they're going to take time to implement. So you, you starting out running this company, I mean, what concrete steps can you take to like kind of speed up the process and get the company to where you really want to want to get it? So. We have the good fortune of having a dental business that's growing quite well. So we have that that's going to automatically just provide us some financial leverage, you know, some positive leverage there. At the same time, we have some operational issues to fix within our spine business. If you think about spine, much of the waste can happen on how we handle the, the heavy capital and how we manage that. And really, this, this gives us some time to stabilize. So if you look at our goals, really, they're, yeah. they're quite acceptable. You know, we, we're going to stabilize during the year while we've got this business that's growing and another one that we're fixing. And we're leaving a number of countries that were unprofitable for us. But in the past, we just never left. And, and that opens up a ton of management time and energy. It just frees us up. So we, yeah. we leave that. That's already in our plan. It's not profitable business, so it's not going to impact us, but, but really it cleans up a lot of things. We're doing a lot of work with our inventory and how we manage our sets. So this really gives us a chance to sort of stabilize and then to, to grow from there. So I think the way that we've laid out our plan is quite reasonable. And I think it implies yeah. that you know, we're going to have a year of resetting and sorting out all these pieces. And then, and then you'll start to see us accelerate on some of the more innovation-focused uh, areas and goals. I saw that you've said that uh, the revenue is going to stay flat this year, about $1 billion, But that what I'm hearing you saying, look for the company to really grow and, you know, do some really, you know, you know, th this year is kind of like you're, you know, getting everything organized here and then like look for this company to really grow and, you know, do some neat things in, in the years to come. Yeah, I think that's the way I would look at it. I would say this is a year where you, you need to, to stabilize. There's going to be some separation work that we do from Zimmer Biomech because we have some agreements still that, that, you know, it's very normal for a car about to have. So we'll get out yeah. of some of those. We'll use this year to really plan and to build and then to focus on where we're going to go. We've already decided on where we're going to focus on. You know, in a year from now, we'll be in a much better place to, to put our resources exactly where we say we're going to be growing. I always ask this at, a, at the end of an interview, is there anything that I uh, didn't ask that I should have asked? 
No, I mean, we're really excited. Zimby's a, an exciting place. You know, we've been able to attract some great, great talent. I'm so thrilled and privileged with the colleagues that have joined me. We're in really good markets. These markets are cumulative about $20 billion. There's room room to find areas that are, you know, underpenetrated and need innovation. And and we're the right, you know, team to, to sort that out, find it and go and execute. So we're, we're super excited about the future. Well, Vafa, you know, congrats. And, you know, thanks for joining us today. And good luck with growing the company. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate the time. All right. Well, great job, Chris Newmarker. Welcome to uh, the MedTech World, Zimvi. And uh, hope to have Vafa Jamali on the show again in the future where they have some yeah. uh, progress to report. You know, I was, I was, I was really impressed with how, you know, I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he discussed, you know, I mean, obviously like uh, with a lot of these deals, you know, you get some, you start out with some debt, he, you know, discussed how they're going to work through that and, you know, kind of, you know, he, he has some, some strategies here to grow the company markets where they can, um, you know, where they can uh, progress, but, you know, also just talk about how it's going to take time. You got this new, new company spun out. You got to, you know, kind of like really focus in on this business and, you know, and, uh, and, and figure out how to get everything ready this year so you can grow this thing in the future. That's great. Well, I want to uh, just take a moment to remind folks that uh, we will be posting our agenda for Device Talks Boston. It should be up on devicetalks.com by the time you, eh, let's say next week. You may, if you're listening to this podcast, you got it on Friday, you're listening over the weekend, may or may not be up there, but it's coming soon. So if things continue as they are in Boston, knock on wood, it sounds like we won't even have masks, right? They're lifting the face mask mask requirements. So uh, knock wood indeed. Uh, But of course, anyone wants to wear a mask, they certainly are are welcome to. Uh, We will not be be shaming anyone for wearing a mask because some governors have done recently. But uh, all right, Danielle, you're our guest. Danielle Kirsch, how can folks find you out there on, uh, on social media? I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Kirsch, K-I-R-S-H, as well as on LinkedIn at the same name. Fantastic. And Chris Newmarker, where can folks find you? You can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker. And I'm on Twitter as well. So always happy to you know catch up with people, find out what's going on. Same here. Same for me. I'm at Twitter at MedTechTom on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Please do a few things for us. We would like you to, what do we want them to do, Chris? Like, follow, subscribe. That's right. Like, follow, and or subscribe to this podcast. In fact, make sure you do. Uh, so you'll hear from our, uh, you'll receive the first episode of our newest podcast, Striker Talks, which will come out next week. And uh, you'll also get future episodes of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast and Intuitive Talks that should come out later this week month. And uh, please do share this particular episode on social media and connect to Danielle, Chris, and myself so we can be part of those conversations. And finally, once again, please do check uh, devicetalks.com for our Device Talks Boston agenda. And when you register, register, please use the code DTW. It's Device Talks Weekly, DTW25. You'll save 25% off the price of registration, including our early bird rate, which is expiring on March 11th. And uh, oh, finally, don't forget, I mentioned this at the top of the podcast, the deadline for companies that want to present at Device Talks Boston through the MedTech Innovator Program need to apply by March 31st. So go to medtechinnovator.org. We would love to see you in Boston. We'd love to hear your story in Boston. Uh, go to medtech innovator.org and apply right away. Don't wait until the end of the month, right? We learned that from Paul in, uh, as I, as I heard in, in Drum Bugle Corps years ago, to be early is to be on time, to be on time is to be late, to be late is to be left. So you better get 
you're gonna the bus is gonna leave you. These are pearls of wisdom you can't find anywhere other than Bandcamp, folks. So yep. uh, please do uh, listen and abide. So, Danielle, uh, thanks for following the Ukraine story, and uh, we'll have you back when there's when there's more to report. Thanks for having me. And everybody, instead of like uh, doom scrolling the, the news coming out of Ukraine, hey, go go find a good charity. Give give a little money to to you know help with the humanitarian you know relief efforts over there. That, that'd be a good good thing to do. So- Great advice, Kristen Marker. We'll have a couple of links on the show notes if you're looking for uh, for some worthwhile charities. Actually, probably we'll put an article up there that'll link to many, so you can make your own choices. But uh, Chris is right. Uh, take action. Uh, we're we're advising companies to do it. And I think we should do it as individuals as well. So that's a great point, Chris. All right, folks, that is a wrap. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. Tune in next week. We'll have another great episode waiting for you. Take care, everybody. 